0: Hi, I'm John Mueller. I'm the lead pastor here at Sunlight Community Church. I'd like to welcome you here to our service. We're in a series called Circles, and today we're actually going to be in the book of Romans, chapter 5. If you have our app, you can click on the top of the feed, and on the top of the feed, it actually will send you right to version, and it'll have the passage, and it'll have some, some notes there from our event. So this, this series, we're really looking at what it looks like To live out, and today live out grace, in our family circle, in our school, in our work circle, in our community circles, those are the people that are around us. So for example, most weeks, the average person interacts with, let's say, 30 people. All those people are in your circle. In the average month, say you interact with 50 people, that's your circle. And so that's where we're applying the word of God today, to those circles, we also have sunlight circles, which is a time during the week that we meet together as believers for encouragement so that we can, we can go out and have personal ministry with the people that are in our circles. So we, we have those times and the places inside the app also in your bulletin, so check one of those out. If you have not gone to one yet, there's still an opportunity to go to one this week, and so that would be exciting to see people respond this week and be able to go to a circle this week. So I'm calling the message this morning, Undeserved Rewards. And people really, we all want undeserved rewards, right? But then sometimes we don't, we feel bad, because we're, we, we get something that we don't deserve, and then we wanna pay it back. And so why is that such a mystery? I'm gonna share some, uh, about someone today that none of you hopefully know who this person is. If someone knows who this person is, you win, the trivia gold star, okay? So this man is named Adrian Clem. You can look him up, you can Google him. He is a name that probably no one knows. This guy got some undeserved rewards. He played for the New England Patriots for three years, never played in a Super Bowl, was like on the practice squad, and got three Super Bowl rings. I mean, that's pretty undeserved, right? It's like you're on the practice squad. You're not even on the sideline, right? How did I find that obscure name? Exactly, I looked at undeserved rewards, and I'm like, oh, who's got the guy with the most Super Bowl rings and done nothing? Okay, and literally this guy sat on the sidelines. He's on the practice squad. He got the reward without being in the game. Wouldn't we see that's undeserved? He didn't even play. He sat on the sidelines, and he didn't go in the game, and he still got the reward. Many of us would argue he doesn't deserve that. Because the the reward's because you won something, right? You actually played, you did something. But that's not how grace works. Grace works differently than that. We put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he accomplished that we couldn't. So we're just like that guy. We get the reward without playing in the game. We were still on the sideline as sinners when Jesus stepped in and played for us and did what we needed to do and paid the price we couldn't pay. And that's how grace works. He went from, uh, he, he caused us to go from death to life in an instant when we put our faith and trust in him. It's as simple as that. This was an act that we don't deserve. I mean, lots of things we don't deserve. Like free ice cream once a year at, at uh, Dairy Queen, right? There's, once a year they have a little cone. You can get a free cone. Do I deserve a free cone? I don't know. Maybe an undeserved reward. So what is this grace and why is it so important? Why do, why do we need to live out grace in our life? So turn with me to Romans chapter 5. If you read Romans chapter 5 before, you'll know that this is a very deep passage. And so we're going to talk a little bit about Adam and Jesus Christ. It's starting in verse 12. So in verse 12, There's some things that happened before that that I'm going to mention in a minute. But verse 12 is set up by what's before it. And I always, I had a a pastor once ask me this question all the time. He's like, what's therefore, therefore? Because it's like referring to something previous. So imagine if we carried that out in our day-to-day walk. And we said to our, our spouses or our kids, therefore. Like, that would be pretty annoying, right? Come on, let's. Someone's got to smile at that, like you can't, therefore, I mean, if you walked around saying therefore all the time, but Paul does this because he's stringing together things over and over and over and over, and it's all connected. So when you read the Bible, you have to remember that this is all connected. So when he's talking about grace here, it's connected all the way back to Romans chapter one. He just keeps going, and he keeps talking about grace and what God's done. So, so starting in verse 12, I'm going to read through verse 17 Um, right now and then we'll read the later section of the passage but through uh starting at verse 12 it says therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin so death spread to all men because all sinned for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given but sin is not counted where there is no law And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following the one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, sin ra- or death reigned through one man, much more will those receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ." Whew, that's a breath. You know, that's one sentence. It's crazy. Like, when you look at it, you're like, oh. So, why is it there for? What's there for? So, right before this, Paul says a few things in the beginning of chapter five. He says, People don't die for someone else, especially their enemies. They do not die for their enemies. This is important because we were enemies of God when Jesus died for us. So, this is different. No person is gonna do this. He's actually writing a case for why God's grace is different than our grace can be. Totally different. And then the second thing is, it's also that we are justified through our faith in Jesus. It's it's, it's our faith in Jesus that justifies us. Let me me think about this. I don't know if you've ever done this. I'm sure you have. Maybe you did it on the way here. You justify why you're speeding. (laughs) Well, I'm late. <laughs> you ever say that in your mind? I'm late. I had my kids once. My daughter says to me, and she's, never, she's not driving, okay? She's five. She goes, Dad, it's 35 here. She does it to both of us, like me and my wife. Dad, it's 35 here. I'm like, what am I going? She's all the way in the back of the van, okay? She's got like like laser eyesight, and she goes, Dad, you're going 37. Whoo! Woo! You know, like we're justified by our faith in Jesus Christ. There's no other way we can be justified. We can't just make something up. There's no other justification. It's just making up some reason why it's okay. But yet it's not. So, the third thing, though, that he says before this is that we've been reconciled to God through Jesus. There's only one way. There's only one way to be reconciled to God. Before Jesus, we were enemies. And I can tell you, for one, I don't want to be enemy, an enemy to God. He's the creator God. He's the God of the universe. The other day, I was running, and I looked up at the stars because I was running so early in the morning, and I looked at the stars, and I said, if God created all this, why would I ever want to be his enemy? Because I want to be the big one, but yet he's the big one. He's the one with the infinite number of wisdom, and I'm the one with a finite wisdom that comes on Sunday mornings and shares my heart, but that's about where it ends, that's all I've got. But then I look at God, and it says therefore, therefore, while that was all happening, still is happening, all sin and death came through one man, Adam, and we're just like Adam. We all sin. The The first thing I noticed when I asked someone how they're doing in life, and then I ask them another question. Have you ever lied? Have you ever asked someone that? Have you ever lied? And I've had people tell me no, and I was kind of like, you're lying right now. Good job. Way to go. You're on a good track record right now, man. Think about this. We all sin. We all have lied. We all have committed some sin, and it doesn't matter how many sins, But that still is against God. And so grace, just like that one sin, came through Adam and and corrupted all of us, that, that grace is for all mankind because all mankind sinned. God's grace doesn't discriminate. It doesn't say, you're too far away from me so that I can't help you anymore. No, it doesn't say that. So we shouldn't either. When we have grace for others, it shouldn't stop just based on the fact that that person hurt us or the pain we're feeling in the moment. We shouldn't discriminate on that. So verse 13 is clear. Sin's always been sin. From Adam to Moses, it was still sin. But at Moses, when Moses wrote down the law, all of a sudden we kind of knew what the, what the parameters were. And we, we don't always recognize sin until God points it out because we don't count it, because we don't see it. Something we forget is moral law is greater than the law of the land. Just because something is not against the law doesn't mean it's not sin. Let me give you some examples. There's some easy ones. I'll start out with some easy ones. Pornography. That's against God's moral law. But is it illegal? No, right? That's one that's not illegal. Another one, this is a little harder, an emotional affair. When you decide that you enjoy being around someone rather than your spouse, to a greater degree, that is an opening for an emotional affair. And it can be very secret, it can be very, very quiet, especially with social media. You can be on social media saying things, it's like, it's really complicated. Maybe it's withholding information. Maybe, maybe it's not wrong to withhold certain information, but think about it. If, if I was blindfolded right now, and I were to walk on the stage, wouldn't at least some of you like, say something if I'm gonna walk off the stage and fall on my face? Right? But some of you may just go, eh. <laughs> oh well. But think about that. You're withholding information or you're telling it. Like, you're, you're stopping disaster from happening. I don't wanna break my arm, so I'm not gonna even try that one out. I thought about putting on a blindfold not doing it. So, here's another one that's more, more heart level. Standing by while other people are being abused. There's specific laws about, depending on your, your vocation and like what you're doing, that you have to report certain things, but there's a lot of people that don't report stuff. So, so if someone's being abused and you stand by, here's my question. Teenagers, they, they love this question, and I'm sure you might get a giggle out of this, okay? How far is too far? What does that mean? Like... The question's the problem. I don't even know what that means. So, so we think, hey, how close can we get to this line where sin is? How, how much grace can God give me? Well, I'm going to tell you, God's grace is unlimited, and I'm going to mention that later. But the thing is, how close can I get to this line without breaking the law? The reality is, that's the problem. That was Adam's problem when he was deceived by The serpent. So Paul mentions Adam here. He was a type. What type do you ask? Like, what what does a type even mean? He was a Jesus type. He named the animals. He had all authority over earth for a time. Then sin entered the world. Death and destruction reigned until the law was given to Moses. Adam was given authority? And you know what's interesting about this? Don't you think the the all-knowing God of the universe knew that Adam was going to mess it up? God still gave Adam authority. He still let him do it. He still let him mess up. Because that's grace. He was given grace even though he sinned. And God has given us grace despite our mistakes. If we've made a mistake in life, it actually is an opportunity for God to mold us. So God has given us grace despite our mistakes. The free gift of God of eternal life through Jesus, is one of grace. We have undeserved rewards as we follow Jesus. Many died through Adam's sin. Many are dying. Present tense. Many are dying because of Adam's sin. If that's not a motivation to share with people that God has given them grace, I have heard so many people say to me at some point, when I say something about my faith, they're like, but I'm too far gone. In some other form. They don't say those words, but they say, I don't think God has got room for me because of something I've done. Think about this. On the cross next to Jesus was someone that was being crucified, a thief, that Jesus said, I'll see you in paradise. Think about that. This guy's dying because of a crime he committed, and Jesus still has room for him. He's got room for all of us. God's grace is greater than our sin, and it can only be a free gift from Jesus. So God's given us this undeserved gift. Think about it. It kept saying free gift. Doesn't everyone love free gifts? I call it clickbait. If you go on Facebook and you scroll down, don't you love, like, oh, you'll get a $100 free Kohl's card, and then you click on it, and it sends a bunch of wrong things to everyone on your Facebook list, Right? Because it's not something, like there's no free stuff in the world, right? They ever parents ever tell you that? You gotta work for everything. The reality is, when you're in that situation, you have an opportunity, because we have an undeserved gift. We can give an undeserved gift to someone else. I'm gonna use a word here. Prejudge. Don't prejudge people. Can we try that? When you walk into a restaurant... Your eyes dart back and forth, looking at the people in the room, kind of making judgments about them based on their appearance. Or you come into church and you, you make a judgment because someone really smells. Or you, or you go to your job and someone else has a really a crude mouth and you're like, I don't really want to be around that person because I can't take it. And we prejudge other people. So, so our responsibility in our personal circles, our family, our school, our work, the community, is not to prejudge people. We don't prejudge. Offer the same free gift we have and give it to them. Give them some grace. And some of you work in situations or you interact with people in situations that it's really hard. I'm not making light of that. I had a job when I was in social work that it it was a good day if I didn't get cussed out about five times, okay, by kids. And so I understand that it's hard to give that free gift and, and, and wonder, God, I don't know if I can take this anymore. That's why God has grace for you. Share that God's grace is greater than their sin. We cannot give what we don't have. We can't give grace unless we realize how undeserving we are of that same grace. That undeserved reward that we have through eternal life through Jesus Christ is something that we don't deserve in the first place. There's one little bit, there's one little problem in our belief. We act sometimes as if we've earned or paid for part of the gift, or some of the gift, or all of the gift. And that's really dangerous because we've lost the point that it's a free gift. It's an undeserved reward. We can't add to that and we can't take away from it. There was a pastor a while back that had a a title of his book, and this is just the way to sell things, I guess. Jesus plus nothing. Jesus plus nothing. Because there's nothing you can do to make yourself more appealing to God because Jesus already did that for you. And so, in verse 16, it talks about this one trespass, one sin brought judgment, and this other man, Jesus Christ, brought justification, the ability to be seen right before God. I've got a little equation here that he's going to put up, and this equation helps us to understand. Many sins are trespasses, so I'm not going to have you raise hands because I hope everyone will raise their hand, but everyone's lied, right? We've trespassed. Let's just use that as an example. Plus a free gift equals justification. We can justify, we can say, God, Jesus took the price in my stead so I can be with you for eternity. That's our justification. It's Jesus, it's his, it's his blood, it's his, his sacrifice. God's grace is abundant, it's not scarce. The scarcity mindset is is, is too often used. We have, we, have, we have a problem. Human beings have a problem of like scarcity. Every single one of you has a limited amount of energy and resources in a day. Can we agree on that? If we all stayed up all week and you came back for a sermon, I would be, that's all I would be doing. I'd be babbling and we'd all be like half comatose and not sleeping. It's like after youth conference, but that's all another story. So. God's grace, though, is not like anything we can imagine even because we have limited resources, and yet God has unlimited grace for the whole world. And so here, simple as this, God's grace is unlimited. It's unlimited resources. His grace abounds that it's enough for everybody. Remember, you have to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but it's enough if you accept this free gift then grace will reign in your life. I've thought about this a lot. In the morning, I wake up and what is my first habit? Can anyone guess what I do, my first habit? I realized this a couple months ago. Oh, someone's shaking their phone, you're right. You check your phone, right? Most young people, that's what you do. You wake up, you check your phone, and then you go about your day. And so you check your phone for texts, emails, which emails, if someone's emailing me at the four in the morning, sorry, I'm not getting back to you, okay? And no, it doesn't really matter. If you're emailing me at the four in the morning, okay. We do that, but we forget something. We're letting other things reign in our life, creating habits where grace can reign in our life. So what is the first thing when I wake up that I, I wanna do, I say I wanna do, every year, New Year's resolution, first thing I'm going to do is I'm always going to do my devos. I'm always going to do my devos. And we start from cold turkey, like I haven't even read the Bible in six months, but now I'm going to do devos every day. The problem is we go and we check our phone because that's already the habit. So we have to create new habits and change how we're thinking about about grace. And so grace can reign in your life if you make intentional decisions for that. So it's holistic. It's greater than anything else we could have. So Let me give you a simple way of explaining this. It says, death reigned in our life. In verse 17, it tells us death reigned in our life. This is in the past. You notice it says reigned, reigned, past tense. It reigned in your life. Now, the free gift gives life in the present. Today, you woke up this morning, and I don't know if you know this yet, but God gave you life, and you reigned in death in the past. And that's changed completely. That's what grace does. It's different. It's holistic. It's your whole life. Don't you want to be a person that gives others life rather than reigning in death? So simple. Not living in death in this world and and saying, you know what? This person doesn't deserve this reward. Doesn't deserve Me actually being nice to them, but guess what? Because God was nice to me while I was still a sinner and I was in death, I'm going to go be nice to this person. No matter what they do to me, no matter how they treat me, no matter how they talk behind my back, no matter what they do, I am still going to give them grace. Because that is what I'm called to be. Because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And and Paul continues this this revelation he's having, this, this this tone of of just complete transformation from death to life. And he starts in verse 18. And you know, I got to this point, and he says, Therefore again, I got to this point, and I wanted to justify. And I wanted to separate myself from what he was saying here because it says through one trespass and I'm like, I wasn't Adam. I'm not Adam. And it took me about 30 seconds, probably less than that, to realize I am Adam just by making that statement. I'm trying to disassociate from other sin in realizing that I myself am in the same boat with Adam. Death reigned in me. Death reigned continued to destroy my life until I followed Jesus and then it reigned in life. When I'm on the throne of my heart, when I'm sitting down saying, I'm going to do things this way, what rules? Selfishness. I'm in it for me. You work with people. You see people at school. You see people in the community that they're sitting on that throne saying, it's all about me and that's all it's about. People that sit around complaining their whole week it's because they're sitting on the throne not realizing that God's already given them what they have. I, I, I remember being in high school, and I'm gonna say this before I, I read the next verse, but I remember in high school having a youth leader pull me aside one time, and I think they were well-meaning, and say, do you ever wanna get married? And it was kind of sarcastic, okay? So there's some subtlety here, it wasn't very subtle. Do you ever wanna get married? And I was like, yeah, of course. You gotta stop acting like a fool. Okay, I'm 16. I always act like a fool. You know, my voice is cracking, you know? Like, I don't know what to happen. There are people that I had that were like my junior high leaders when I was in junior high youth group that are like, I can't believe he's married. And guess what? I can't even believe he's a pastor. That's crazy. It's not because I deserve this. It's because God's grace. It's as simple as that. Anything that you are having happen in your life that has anything positive that is out of your control, well, guess what? I'm not saying it's a coincidence. I'm saying the God of the universe loves you enough to do that for you. Whatever whatever is going on, don't forget that. If you're in a situation where you don't feel like you can get out of it, guess what? Get on your knees and pray because the God of the universe is more powerful than anything you can do to get out of that situation. Let's go to verse 18. It says, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, and by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came to increase the trespass. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace must also reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I want to take a deep breath there. You don't have to earn your way. Jesus already did it. All mankind was condemned through the disobedience of one And all mankind can have life because one man obeyed God. When we follow Jesus, our lives look different. If you've never had someone ask you, what's different about you? I'm gonna challenge you. Live differently, and they will. Our past was filled with disobedience to God and led to spiritual death. I remember... When I was a teenager, I would do things and then I would just kind of not tell my parents about them. Anyone do that? Yeah? Okay. Maybe I'm not the only one. And it was like, I thought for some way I wasn't going to be found out. But parents, and you know this, you're smarter than your teenager, sometimes. Teenagers, you may get one over on them until you're 24, which was what happened to me on one thing. But anyways... We were in disobedience and all that did was lead to death. Anytime anytime we don't clear our hearts based on the conviction of God, we're, we're just in disobedience and we know it. When we say something harsh to someone and we, don't go, and we feel it in our heart and we don't go back to them and say, you know what, I shouldn't have said that. Really, there's no excuse. Don't start with the excuses when you're disobedient. So our future is filled with obedience, though, because... God's given us an undeserved reward that gives us life, that gives us this this free gift of eternal life. And so what we get lost in is what's right in front of us. There's always something right in front of us taking our attention away from things, a distraction. I mentioned a phone when we wake up earlier. That's a distraction. You're well-intentioned because you're like, I want to open the Bible every morning but my phone's really appetizing. And you know, when I open it in the morning, I really get these great ideas from Pinterest and Facebook and man, Instagram. This one person I'm following, I got a whole workout from them the other day. You start going, do you see how distracting that is? But that was so easy. Like we just get distracted. And so we need to stay focused on something that is long-term. So this, this complete, eternal transformation that's happening inside of us, we can't claim any credit for. And so, God gives us the ability to be obedient. Before Jesus, there was the law, and compared to the law, the whole nation of Israel was disobedient constantly. This law that God wrote shows us how sinful and disobedient we were. It was to show us how far we strayed. God's infinite and us being finite we're limited we don't have we have limitations that God never will have so because God gave the law in the old testament our sin increased and grace abounded more grace grace was more abundant because of the law i'm going to tell you something that some of us don't want to hear and when i heard this the first time i did not want to hear this we are on the level playing field we're on the same level Because we cannot be obedient unless God has given us the ability to be. Unless God gives us the ability, we can't. So when we share with people about grace and we say, God's given you undeserved rewards, and guess what? You can't earn them. You can't do anything. We share because it's not because we're better than them. It's because they're how we once were, dead in sin with no ability to do anything for God, no ability to do anything that is good, that is right in the world. We just share what God's done in us. What has God done in us? You know, one of the habits I'm really poor at, that I'm really, really trying to get better at, is writing down God moments. Like a moment where God does something, a connection someone makes um, something that the Holy Spirit brings to someone's heart or something like that and write it down and over years looking at that and saying wow six years ago so and so had this happened to them God is good and resting in that and then five years ago this happened and today this happened God is so good because we'll forget it and we, then we don't have anything to share about what God's done in us we can rest in this one fact that God gives grace for eternal life. If not for God's grace, we wouldn't have the promise of eternal life. And some of us, myself included, I'd rather be in heaven right now than here. Because my body is going to fail me. There's things that are falling apart. Those of you below the age of 18 have not exhibited this yet probably, but You get older and things start not feeling as good and you're like oh my knee and my hip and you know like you want to be with Jesus because grace leads us to him and here's why it leads us to him because his righteousness his truth Jesus Christ is the only reason that any of us can live eternally and maybe some of us are afraid of that because because eternity is so much longer than now and I really don't like now and I'll, I'll take a phrase from last week. This is the closest to hell that you're ever going to be if you follow Jesus. Today is the closest to hell because, because guess what? When we're worshiping God for eternity because of his grace, you're going to look back at your time on earth and be like, whoa, that was horrible. <laughs> I mean, God blessed me so much, but man, this is nothing like being with Jesus. This is exciting. It's like, it's like getting to go to the best thing you've ever experienced. Either you're going to let sin rule in your life and reign in your life and lead to death, spiritual death, eternal death, or you're going to let Jesus rule in your life and reign in life, eternal life. We have choices every day. So many times people say things like, you made me do this. I didn't make anybody do anything. I am not a hypnotist, okay? I cannot hypnotize anybody to do any specific action. If you guys think otherwise, then maybe you can show me how to hypnotize people. But anyways, okay. I can't do that because we all have choices to make each and every day. I have a choice to wake up in the morning and go do what I'm going to do that day. And so we have a choice to let sin reign in our life and lead to death or be obedient to Christ. It's as simple as that. We can't have both ruling and reigning in our life at the same time. You can't be right with God and be wrong with God in the same moment. Simple as that. There is no way that you can do both at the same time. So I'm going to ask you this, and this is, this is a, a reality check, I think, for me. When you wake up in the morning, you make a decision for the day, and I end up at 3 p.m. By 3 p.m., I'm like, I'm deflated I'm tired, I'm exhausted, and the decision I set out to make in the morning, I didn't make it at 3 p.m. because I'm tired. But if not for God's grace, I'd make poor choices by 3 p.m. every day. If not for God's grace, I wouldn't be obedient because I'd be so worn down from the whole day that I'd lose sight of what's important. And so, I want you all to know That God's grace is for the broken, for, for those that are tired, for those that are disobedient because they're running from God. The scariest thing you can do with God's grace is say you don't need it. That's pride. You can be really, really, it's really scary. It's dangerous. The people that have the worst disasters happen in their life say to God by their actions and by their thoughts, I got this. And the first step to being gracious towards others is saying, I don't got this. I need Jesus. I really, really need Jesus every day. My life's broken. So what, what does this look like? What does this mean for our circles? How do I not just have grace for myself, but grace for others? You know, when you miss a goal, how do you respond? I've heard it said before, you really know someone's character the moment they they don't get what they want. When they don't get what they want, how do they respond? Do you respond with grace or do you respond with anger? Do you respond with grace or do you respond with manipulation? What do you respond with when you don't get what you want? You know, there's lots of times... I've also heard it said is the most refining thing in a person's life is when they fail. You know, I I watch a lot of documentaries and every documentary talking about someone's successes, somewhere in that success story, there is a failure. Maybe that's even the end thing that happens to that person. And sometimes we run from failure, but God, I think, is, is going there. That's one more moment where you can look up to him and say, I don't got this. I need you. So what does this mean for our family circle, our school or work circle, our community circle? This family circle is your immediate family. School and work is the people you interact with at your, at your job, at your school. And so what is the community circle? It's people that we come in contact with in the community. The person at the coffee shop, the person at the grocery store, the people that we see on a regular basis. So let's break this down. Family circle. What does this mean for our Family. Maybe, maybe you're not living with your family right now. You're, you're at college. Or maybe, maybe you're, you have people in your family that aren't your immediate family living with you. This means your family, whoever you're living with. And so we need to give grace to our family members. We need to give our family members grace. It's as simple as that. You know when they wrong us? I'm not saying be trampled. What I'm saying is give them the benefit of the doubt and move on. You know, I found every time that my kids are struggling, there's something going on in their hearts. My daughter's five and I I know it. I know the look. I know the tears that are gonna come. I know the excitement she has with something. I think our relationship with God is the same way when she breaks down to talk to her dad it's the same way I break down and talk to God we need to give our family members grace because we're not you know we, we can say we know everything that's happening with them but we don't, we don't know what's going on in here we need to teach and train our family to be gracious and I think this is really important here this may seem super simple we need to move past wrongs we need to be moving past wrongs but not ignoring them We're not sweeping the elephant under the rug. What we're doing is we're saying, I need to move on from this. I need to move on in a way that only God can do in my life. And I'm praying that God's going to do it in our whole family. We don't ignore them. That's just a conflict avoidance. That's not grace. God's not like, I'm going to wait for later to give you discipline. It's going to happen now. School and work circles. When you feel you've been wronged, give grace before you get angry. Give grace before you get angry. It's simple. And I think the hardest part of that is, and the thing that honestly is difficult is when it's the 45th time the same thing's happening. And you've already told this person 45 times, don't do this. Don't show up late to my group study time because you're, you're ruining it. Don't show up late to work. Don't do this. Don't do that. When you've been wronged over and over, grace goes out the window. But guess what? If you were to have a conversation with God right now, I bet you he'd say you're wronging me over and over. Come on. What are you doing for other people? Consider where they're coming from. Consider where the other person's coming from. It may seem simple, but it's not. That is incredibly hard. Incredibly hard. Like, Like probably the hardest thing you'll ever have to do is consider where the other person is coming from and encourage your friends and coworkers to be gracious. You know, as a pastor, people come to me with problems and the first thing I try to say is just, in response to what's going on, is one, have you talked to this person? That's the first thing. The second thing is usually, is there's some unfair thing going on here? Is there, is there some something that maybe you're not seeing and you just need to talk to this person about it? Encourage your friends and coworkers to be gracious. In your community, be known for grace rather than road rage. Oh, I got no chuckles with road rage? Come on, guys. Be known for grace rather than road rage. If someone were to see you that knows you and you're cutting people off and chasing people down in the community because you're so mad do you think that reflects on the grace of God well because God's already given you grace you're not in an accident yet but you're chasing people down road rage is like the epitome of the lack of grace in our lives you feel you've been wronged and I'm going to get them but guess what that's not how God works if you're a messenger of the grace of God, road rage is the opposite of that message that you want to be sending. So don't be known for that. Live in as, a, as an extension of God's grace, an example to others. There will be people for the rest of your life that, that, I'm going to use this word, trample on you. In the same way, Jesus was on that cross and people were hurling insults towards him in that same moment where he was saving them. Don't forget that. And this one is the hardest. I'm working on this. This last one, I, I, I almost didn't want to put this in here. I got so convicted. Is that, is that hard to say? Give the measure of grace to others that God's given you. Give the measure of grace to others that God's given to you here's some excuses I came up with, but I'm limited. I've only got so much grace. You know, I got three kids. My wife's practically in labor out in the atrium. You know, like, I can't give much grace to people today. I can't do this. Give the same measure of grace that God's given you to others. Break it down. Make it simple. Realize that Not everyone had the life that you had growing up. Not everyone has the life you have now. Not everyone has ever been able to make the right choices. Not everyone, including yourself, is making the right choices now. So that's time to give grace. So what? So, what? Who cares? Why does why this matter so much? It matters because of three things. God's given grace because of an undeserved gift, because we made a mistake despite our mistakes. I would love that. Every day, I wish I got a do over when I was 16 and I got pulled over and I got a ticket. Come on. Who doesn't want a do over for that? Right? But God did. He said, guess what? No ticket. But I'm going to give you a few warnings along the way. I'm going to wake you up to my grace. I'm going to wake you up to what's going on in your life. And he's given us unlimited grace to be obedient. As a parent, and as I see uh, grandparents, we want obedient kids. That's what God wants. He desires that. He desires us to be obedient because I'm going to say this parents may not always know everything you hear that teenagers okay college kids parents may not know everything but God does and I can rest in that and I can be obedient to that because I know that he's got the best interest for me individually and for this church and for our community and everybody in the entire world if we're willing to listen and follow Jesus and God's grace is eternally focused. I keep coming back to this in the series. We cannot be focused on just the here and now or the past. We have to realize that in our past, death reigned, and now life reigns because the grace of God is true in our lives, and we have the opportunity to be messengers of that same grace and say, you He may not, and don't say this, okay? Don't say this. You may not deserve this, but I'm still going to give it to you. I'm still going to help you. I'm still You don't deserve this at all, but I'm still going to be kind. I'm still going to give you what you're asking, even though I know you're going to just destroy it. But that's exactly what God has done for us. And it, And every day I wake up and I wonder why he did that. Why me? Why you? Why why anybody? And it comes down to this He loves us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we know that we fall short. We know that we don't, we don't have what it takes to have eternal life. We know that Jesus was the only way, and we also know that there is someone in our lives right now, every single one of us, that we need to leave here and we need to give grace to. It might be in our family, it might be at our job, it might be at school, it might, it might be in our community, But Lord, we know that your Holy Spirit is gonna help us, transform us, and help us be obedient to that call that we have in our lives, to be gracious to others, and that God, you will be at the forefront of that. So God, we ask that your Holy Spirit change us this week. And as we sing this last song, God, we just pray that God, we wouldn't leave here as people being reigned by death, but that we would leave here being reigned by life through grace from Jesus Christ. We say all this in Jesus' name.